Caldwell Madison Review, episode 61 for May 4th, 2017. It is Thursday, 8 o'clock Central Time. You're listening to the only podcast in the world who thinks after 61 episodes might have finally figured out his... No. I almost thought I had my microphone problem figured out. Now the the volume of the microphone is still auto-adjusting. I have every window setting that I know of. Every window setting that I know of. Force adjusting the volume here supposed to be. Let me look. Yeah, I'm doing... Doing technical work while live. How's that for fun? Why are you changing automatically? Do I sound louder now? I should sound louder now. I don't know if it'll change. Yeah, it will change. Just changes all willy-nilly. I found somebody that had a script to force it. So if you think I'm stupid, it took a a programmer to write their own code to keep the microphone level at the same volume. They're having the same problem. They could not find a solution anywhere on the internet, so the programmer wrote his own code. And I found the website. I hope I bookmarked it. It doesn't make that much of a quality difference, I don't think, but it doesn't make it better, it lessens it. There's nothing more annoying than having a really loud podcast in the beginning and then it's quiet in the middle. I have my settings on my browser to not auto something. I think settings in Windows. I think settings in my sound recording program. Not even aware of settings in the audio program that I use to record. That changes. How frustrating. Well, if you're frustrated with software too, I'd like to hear your problems. Because I hear myself. I hear my own problems. Enough. The number to call in is 602-753-3005-602-753-3005. We are live for two more episodes. Oh, one more episode. Two if you include this one. And then I will be uploading episodes for a while and it might work out for the better because I have a habit of not preparing I have the stories I want to do all in out of order so while I was fixing my microphone I should have been putting that in order or I could just do that before the show but I didn't <laughs> doing other things and and then eating. So big news today. Big Obamacare news. Republican Obamacare replacement bill passes the House. And now uh, it doesn't mean it's law, so it still has to pass through the Senate. And then I believe it has to go back to the House again. And all the while... The bill will get dragged, stomped, altered, changed, 
beaten, <laughs> shot and burned, and all other kinds of various things to it. It, it, it won't look the same by the time it, it goes back to the house, if it does, for a final passage. A lot in the news about it, although there's not a whole ton of details about it, not specific details. There are main points of it, which I guess would be the big details of it, but um, I don't believe a lot of the actual language is out at this time. From what I've heard or read, so let's bring up a couple of these articles here. I have one from NBC, one from New York Times, one from CBS. I also have a list of Republicans that voted against it. All Democrats voted against it. I'll give you those numbers in a second. There's actually two New York Times articles. One that goes over who did what. And then I have another article on Heavy.com that gives uh, some of the Republican quotes that voted against it. And I also have a statement from Rand Paul, too. I talk about Rand Paul a lot when it comes to Obamacare. He's kind of one of the, I don't know... Leaders in repealing it completely and not replacing it with uh, Obamacare light, as he calls it. So I'm going to touch on a few articles here. You should have some facts I think I want to go over. So on CNBC.com, there is an article titled, Republican Obamacare Replacement Bill Passes House. And some of their key points here, GOP leaders has struggled for months to win support of the for the bill in their caucus. The bill faces a potentially harder road to winning passage in the Senate. An earlier version of the bill was expected to lead 24 million people to become uninsured. So the New York Times article they uh, they threw a lot of they had some details on the changes of the vote. They threw in a lot of that kind of language about all these people are going to go uninsured. You know, things like the Republicans vetoed Obamacare bill or the Affordable Care Pack, which provided 20 million people who didn't have insurance, insurance, like things of that nature. So they make their bias pretty clear on the article. Within the article. So the final tally was a uh, majority needed to pass it it was 217 for 213 against and one not voting all 193 democrats voting opposed the bill joined by 20 republicans there's a quote from paul ryan on this cnbc article a lot of us have waited seven years to case this vote. House Speaker Paul Ryan said shortly before voting began, continuing, Many of us are here because we pledged to cast this vote to repeal and replace Obamacare. And going on saying is typical politician stuff. Bill delivers the promises. You know, everything's hunky-dory according to him. And I have some of the key points that it will change. I just need to find those. The uh, bill is providing $8 billion to help people with pre-existing conditions, according to the Philadelphia.CBS local article. New York Times gets into some of uh, the changes, too. But I'm just scanning through here. Kind of going through, a lot of these articles are going through some of the, I guess, politician talk, quotes, the drama back and forth. Kind of have to sift through and find the facts. Now, one thing I was interested in finding out about was the buying insurance across state lines. Because obviously that's good in the capitalistic sense. 
the uh, more options you have, the typically the uh, better service you'll get from the people supplying the the options because they have so many competitors. They obviously want to do a better job, the best job they can do within the law anyway. Now, I didn't see anything of that nature in any of these articles here. So there is a credit uh, according to the article on CBS Local, Philadelphia, the bill would reduce subsidies for low-income Americans and eliminate taxes on the wealthy. There's also an age-based incentive with this new measure hoping to encourage young people to buy insurance by offering a tax credit for those making less than 75000 a year. I think New York Times does a little bit better job of laying out the numbers, so I'll get to that article next. More quotes from Democrats. One saying, quote, they say, oh no, it's still there, but the insurance company can charge whatever you want. He's talking about the pre-existing conditions. Now the new bill, from what I read, will allow insurance companies to charge higher rates for people with pre-existing conditions. Uh, and then the quote is, uh, they say, oh no, it's still there, but the insurance company can charge you whatever you want. Oh, you have cancer, that will be $100,000 a year for your policy. It'll be the main difference between auto, auto insurance and health insurance. You can't crash your car and then get insurance later. Um, but also a difference uh, to point out would be Conditions can last, health conditions can last a, a while in a person. And people commonly change health insurance, I think. Probably more, I wouldn't say more than car insurance. But still, I've heard that argument before. It's kind of comparing apples and oranges. But uh, it's still it's a it's a lose situation for the insurance company, of course, having to sign on to somebody who obviously you know it's going to cost them a lot of money if they're paying the same rate as people who don't have the problem. Uh, the health, uh, the the cost just you know it passes on. It goes to like the general masses or the. Uh... Sorry, I'm reading while I'm talking here as usual. You know, the, the cost gets distributed. Just trying to look for some more data here. I'm going to pull up the New York Times article. Quote from Trump on the New York Times article. Yes, premiums will be coming down. Yes, deductibles will be coming down. But very, very importantly, is a great plan. Mr. Trump boasted on Thursday at White House Rose Garden victory ceremony. I've heard about that. I didn't actually watch it. Trump gave a speech. Uh, prob I think he might have given two. Uh, Democrat Luis M. Slaughter calling it or, or saying uh, I've never seen political suicide in my life like I'm seeing today. So I think that was another headline in the news today where Democrats were saying that na 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 hey hey goodbye. To the Republicans saying that they they were committing political suicide, getting rid of the bill. So here's from the New York Times. The House bill would eliminate tax penalties for people who go without health insurance. It will it would roll back state by state expansions of Medicaid, which covered millions of low income Americans, and in place of government subsidized insurance policies offered exclusively on the affordable. Care Act's marketplaces, the bill would offer tax credits of 2000 to 4000 a year, depending on the age. A family could receive up to $14,000 a year in 
credits. The credits would be reduced for individuals making over $75,000 a year and families making over $150,000 per year. Anything else to add? I'm probably mis I'm probably forgetting something. I was reading about this on and off today. So it does look like an Obamacare light kind of bill. One thing I didn't notice though, which I thought was funny on the New York Times, well, funny for a couple reasons, that there's a New York Times picked comment when you t when you click on New York Times picks for the comments, and the comment on the top, which isn't the top rated comment, that's one weird thing about it. They have like how many recommends, a little thumbs up or or whatever. Um, it had it only has ninety, and the one below it has over fourteen hundred. I guess they're not really all in order. But I just thought it was funny that the New York Times picked the comment. They usually pick pretty liberal comments or Democrat kind of party comments anyway. I shouldn't say like broadly liberal. What the comment says, and it's by Iconoclast, Iconoclast, Texan. Obamacare imposed onerous federal mandates on insurers and employers, which has had the effect of imposing an additional tax on those of us actually paying federal income taxes, my health insurance premiums, deductibles, and out-of-pocket expenses have increased to two to three times what they were before Obamacare was enacted. The Republican health care plan allows for more flexibility in insurance coverage offered and passes on the additional expense to those with higher risk. This is the free market at work and how risk should be allocated. Healthcare is not an inalienable right, and each of us is individually responsible for our own health. So kind of a funny comment to see on the New York Times. And getting more in tune with the New York Times picked comments uh, is, let's see, YCTH. This is the most unconscionable bill ever passed in the House. I hope the Senate will show true leadership and compassion in the coming revisions. I simply cannot understand, and maybe never will, how the House members can go to church on Sunday. Speaking of brotherly love and, and this is and twice, compassion for those not as fortunate. And on Monday, put millions of human lives in front of a death squad. Truly breaks my heart. So, I guess you know, these people are going to get lined up and shot. It, it totally reminds me of a comment that, from someone that's probably not religious in any kind of manner, saying, using the whole church argument, they usually get pretty basic, like, uh, well, I can't believe uh, Republicans would uh, kill uninsured people. Doesn't the Bible say, be good? Something of that intellectual level, anyway. Which is an odd thing. Um, and I've seen that a lot in my life. It, uh, of people that were not religious, but try to hold people they disagree with to religious standards. When they themselves won't endorse them. But if someone they disagree with would appear to go outside those standards, they're the first to point and shame kind of odd behavior and then uh yeah some more i think just about the rest of the new york times picked comments are unfavorable of the new news emily says if there's anything to gain from this shameful and painful legislation it's that folks can no longer hide behind illusions of compassionate conservatism or self-sufficiency bootstraps mentality uh, I am remembering another comment, or not a comment. I'm remembering another fact. The bill changed. Um, well, the, the way Obamacare was written, it, it made it kind of rigged for premiums. 
Old people could only get charged no more than three times the cost of a young person. So why is that? Because a young person doesn't need to go to the doctor typically. They can go years without going to the doctor. They don't need the prescriptions typically, this and that. And they're less prone to getting ill. It's not as catastrophic when older people get ill. So older people, they use up more resources, they use up more medical resources anyway, so they pay more insurance. So that would sound to the typical person, I think you walk up to the street, well, you know, old people have to pay three times more than the younger person. And your typical bleeding heart or tree hugger or whatever, probably get upset by that. But that is actually a so-called improvement for Obamacare. So that is how it was written. That is the way the, or that is the uh, legislation that the left embraced. And the new number now is they can't get charged five times as more. So it went from three times more to they can't charge five times as more. So yeah, kind of the you know same rules, uh, but Obamacare light. Now of course, five times more sounds even worse to the bleeding heart. I'll just ask the question: Well, why not make it one and one? Old person cannot be charged more than young person. They, they, they all they all get paid. They all have to pay. The same amount for health insurance. I mean, Obama was compassionate, right? So why didn't they, why didn't they just write it like that? And the answer is because it's not sustainable. It's not financially sustainable. Uh, it it just wouldn't work without just massive, massive taxes on young people who are barely getting started in life and making low wages and probably have $100,000 in college debt to begin with. So the, uh, the smart idea is to use your youth to save money, not spend on medical stuff, keep yourself healthy, save up, get a retirement plan, and then use your remaining money to take care of yourself when you're older. And still, the fact that it's capped at five times, no more than five times higher than a younger person, uh, still, that it speaks to something. That the fact that it's capped there, it means that the companies would naturally even charge more. And... I think the rising healthcare costs have a lot to do with all the bureaucracy around it. You know, it's it's like the government tries to it wrecks something and then it tries to fix it by just I don't know, just kind of channeling money somewhere, putting subsidies here and there. This and that. Well, let me get to Rand Paul. Rand Paul can chime in here via YouTube. I don't think the audio quality is the best, but it's one of the first or only YouTube videos I saw uploaded from his interview tonight or this evening on Neil Cavuto. So here is Rand Paul Anil Cavuto, Cavuto talking about his thoughts on what passed the House today. To the United States Senate, to Kentucky Republican Senator, former presidential candidate Rand Paul. Senator, if uh, you were to look at what you've seen come out of the House, and we don't know even all the details, um, what do you think? You know, I think the House Freedom Caucus made the bill a lot less bad 
But what I'm still concerned with is this will be the first time that Republicans have affirmatively put their stamp of approval on a program where federal money, taxpayer money, is paid to insurance companies. And I really, frankly, am not too excited about, um, you know, subsidizing the profit of insurance companies. They make a great deal of profit. Their profits went from $6 billion a year to $15 billion a year under Obamacare. And now they want to quadrant off the individual market where they don't make money and say, oh, uh, we want everybody to have insurance. We are so magnanimous, but as long as the taxpayer pays for it. And premiums will come down as long as you subsidize the people that get sick, which is what's supposed to be what the insurance is about. When you get the in sick, that's when the insurance company is supposed to pay. They don't want to pay when you get sick. They just want to reap the, pop, the profit and then have stick the taxpayer with the rest of the bill. So there's about three or four hundred billion dollars in this bill for insurance company profit, and I, I, it, it boggles my mind how that became a Republican idea. Sounds like you'd be a no vote as things stand. <laughs> it, it's going to take a little bit of work to get me to a yes vote, but I do have an open mind. I mean, there's not been a louder voice up here for repealing Obamacare. I really want to repeal it. I just don't want to replace it with, you know, Obamacare Light or another federal program. The programs they put in place will be there forever. So the refundable tax credit, which is a subsidy by another name, will be there forever. And this, uh, these buying, you know, these uh, high-risk pools they want to create. Republicans used to hate the idea. They hated the idea when they were called risk corridors and they were giving money to insurance companies. They were bailouts when it was a Democrat idea. Now it's a Republican idea. They keep sweetening it up. So a lot of it depends on which way the bill goes. If the bill gets better in the Senate, I could be a yes. If the bill gets worse and they, you know, plus it up with more, you know, federal subsidies, uh, that's going to make it much more difficult for me. All right. So there's Rand Paul pointing out typical Republican hypocrisy. Now, the whole uh, this whole thing that's going on, it doesn't make sense, but it, it's expected. You know, we have a heavily subsidized plan uh, creating more bureaucracy, creating profits for insurance companies, all called Obamacare, passed. The Republicans constantly saying they want to repeal it. Uh, instead, they are afraid of maybe what the Democrats are saying, political suicide. They don't. They, they end up with a Republican majority that they could pass whatever they want, uh, they pass a health care bill that they would never dream of endorsing on the campaign trail or writing themselves. You know, if this was Obamacare, if Let's say this bill was was the Obamacare bill. The Republicans wouldn't have voted for it. This was in 2009 or whatever the Obamacare bill passed. Uh, and this is, this is the bill that they presented. I highly doubt Republicans would have voted. There probably wouldn't have been one. No, no Republican voted for the Obamacare bill. And I doubt any Republican would have voted for this bill if they put it forth. So let's go this article on heavy.com and let's hear from some of the Republicans that did not vote for it much like every Democrat that didn't vote for it of course the Democrats wanted to keep Obamacare and approve it uh, the Republicans that did not vote for it or vote, did not vote for it for a different reason more of a probably more of maybe Rand Paul type reasons but we'll see now of course Rand Paul didn't vote because he's from the Senate. We see Anthony Biggs, Arizona. This is uh, all according to Heavy.com. Felt the American Health Care Act didn't go far enough in repealing Obamacare. Quote, I've opposed the ACHA from the very beginning because it's not a clean repeal of Obamacare. While I applaud all the hard work of the Freedom Caucus, which has made every effort in recent Weeks to improve this legislation. The final bill, unfortunately, does not meet the promises I made to my constituents. Mike Coffin says, Congressman Coffin said he opposed, or this is from the article here, and he didn't say this. 
Congressman Coffin said he opposed the bill because it did not do enough to protect those with pre-existing conditions. Quote, I worry that under the current language, a small percentage of those with pre-existing conditions might not be adequately protected. So he's not voting for in a, for a different reason, it seems. If the House leadership would work to tighten protections for those with pre-existing conditions, I'm a yes for sending the bill to the Senate for further consideration. Not, I'm a no. Go back to the drawing board and clean up the mess created by the Affordable Care Act. So I guess he would be the, quote, compassionate conservative that this New York Times person is looking for. I think it's kind of goofy. I, you know, I think most of these Republicans, I, I, would, I wouldn't call them compassionate. But uh, someone like Rand Paul, who, what, he wants a, you know, even more of a repeal of it. Not just a lightning of it. He wants a total repeal. I hardly think that he's doing that because he feels that uh, people dying on the street is good. I think that he sees a bloated bureaucracy making health care more expensive and less attainable. I, th- I always tie the health care mess into the college debt and expensive college kind of mess because it's always that heavy regulated, heavy, heavily subsidized area of the economy. And they just can't leave it alone. It's so like once something becomes law, it's so hard to take it away. There will be so much backlash, so much voter backlash and everything else. You can't just take a, a chopping block. Like uh, a lot of Republicans say, claim they want to do that. They don't do it. <clears throat> even like the Tea Party Republicans, they seem to get worn down after they get into office. Let's see, Ryan Costello, what does he say? Protections for those with pre-existing conditions without contingency and affordable access to coverage is for every American remain my priorities for advancing health care reform. This bill does not satisfy the benchmarks for me. So another one not voting of it, voting for it because of the pre-existing conditions. Uh, so that's two or one one for two so far. Let's see. I didn't. I skipped one. Congress Congresswoman Barbara Comstock did not vote for it either. Or did I read this already? Why the while the bill addressed important principles like covering pre-existing conditions and not having a lifetime limit imposed on the sick and reducing costs and increasing choices for many working families, the uncertainties of the current version of the bill caused me to not able to support it today. So that's that's a little bit different. Then the other one, she says that, you know, there's uncertainties. She, she doesn't know. Um, it looks like an improvement, but she sees a possibility of it going bad. We got Charles Dent from Pennsylvania, congressman, who says too many people are going to be losing coverage. Those are my underlying concerns. The new revised version does not address those concerns and why I'm opposed to the bill. So that's three out of five so far. So I guess I was wrong. I think I said earlier that a lot of these people voted because they wanted it chopped more, but it looks like a lot of these people are kind of saying what Democrats we're saying. Here's Dan Donovan from New York. The provision excludes New York City, putting an unfair and disproportionate burden on the city residents who cover the state's exorbitant Medicaid expenses. So we need health care reform, including promised Medicaid reform in New York, where we spend more than Texas, Florida, and Pennsylvania combined. But it shouldn't be done with on the backs of overly burdened city residents who undoubtedly have a tax increase forcing them to pay for this imminently unfair policy. So he's got his own unique answer. Saying that his uh, constituents will face an unfair burden compared to others on this bill with this bill. Brian Fitzpatrick, Pennsylvania. 
saying, I have many concerns with this bill, and the first among them is the impact on the single most important issue plaguing Bucks and Montgomery counties. In this issue, I have made my priority in Congress opioid, opioid abuse prevention, treatment, and recovery. That's interesting. I'm not sure exactly what he means by that. Now, there is a link to his full statement, but there are 20, so I don't want to dwell on one too long. So he's looking for something in the bill to specifically address the opioid epidemic. Interesting there. You got Jamie Herrera... Butler, looks like. Quote, While I appreciate this week's efforts by Speaker Ryan and his leadership team to better protect older Americans from health care cost increases, the difficulties this bill would create for millions of children were left addressed. unaddressed. She said in a statement, I'm disappointed that it appears my amendment to strengthen the Medicaid safety net for the kids who depend on it for their health care will not be considered. Protecting vulnerable children is the core purpose of the Medicaid program, and when the program fails to do so, it fails entirely. I will not vote to let the, uh, those kids fall through the cracks. Saying that she likes the uh, portions of the bill to protect older Americans, but not the ones that are the, leaving the Issues with the children unaddressed. I don't know the exact e- details on that. Now, this article is very interesting, though. If you go to heavy.com, they have links to all the statements, and they look like to be all pointing to the the official statements on the uh, house.gov website. So interesting to see that and get all the different perspectives. Here's Will Hurd from Texas. His, one of his quotes picked by Heavy.com. Since the implementation of Obamacare, I've told my constituents that the only meaningful metric when it comes to health care is actual access to quality affordable health care, not just health insurance. While the goal of Obamacare was... To make healthcare more accessible and more affordable, it has done just the opposite. Likewise, the goal of the American Healthcare Act was to combat the skyrocketing premiums and outrageous deductibles millions of Americans face. It too falls short. I got about through about half of these so far. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm not, I think, I don't think I'm gonna go through all of them. There's a couple articles I wanna get to, but I do recommend checking out this article. I'm gonna read Thomas Massey here real quick because his name just uh, stands out uh, because he's one of the more hardliner Tea Party kind of. Republicans here, if I remember correctly, so let's see what he says. Uh, It says, according to Politico, he said that the bill relies on, quote, replacing mandates, subsidizes, and penalties with mandates, subsidies, and penalties. In late March, he jokingly tweeted that he was changing his vote from no to hell no. Yeah, I covered that. I remember that. So, I don't think he... Created his, uh, his own .cov statement. Some of these statements are actually on Twitter. But the rest of them were John Kako, New York. Leonard Lance, New Jersey. Frank A. Boindo, Biondo, New Jersey. Patrick Meehan, Pennsylvania. Dave Reichert, Washington. Akina Ross, Lettinen, Florida. I butchered that name, I'm sure. Christopher H. Smith from New Jersey. Michael R. Turner, Ohio. All with their own reasons for not voting for the bill. It seems to be what I read so far. I read about half of them. It seems to be a mixed bag of reasons that they did want did not want to go through the or forward with the bill. I didn't see any opinion polls out from the public. 
from the media regarding the bill. It kind of came to a surprise to me, so maybe it came to a surprise to many people. Came as a surprise to many people, rather. The last opinion poll that I saw, which was based on the original Obamacare replacement plan that, according to Rand Paul, was worse than this one. I think about 17 or something like that. It was something in the teens, higher teens, uh, or, or the people that actually approved of it. So here's a article I found, another one on the New York Times here. Brandon NSA still collected 151 million phone records in 2016. I don't know if that's supposed to be sarcastic if they're reined in. National Security Agency vacuumed up more than 15, 151 million records about Americans' phone calls last year via a new system that Congress created to end the agency's once-secret program that collected dem- domestic calling records in bulk, report disclosed Tuesday. Now, the funny thing about that is the NSA is just the one that got caught. All the other intelligence agencies have similar technology, as we've seen through other leak leaks. Article continues, although the number is large on its face, it nonetheless represents a massive reduction from the amount of information the agency gathered previously. Under the old system, it collected potentially billions of records per day, according to a 2014 study. The new report, an annual surveillance review published by the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, offered the first glimpse of how the new system is working. That the National Security Agency still collected such a large volume of calling data, even if it was only a fraction of what the agency once gathered, showing the challenge of conducting 21st century surveillance and data monitoring with constraints set up to protect American privacy. And the article goes on to say, you know, since September 11th, attacks, agency analyzed large, amount, large amounts of communications data. I'm sure referring to the Patriot Act, which was passed soon after. So the article is pretty long here. Nothing real surprising. And you know what? I don't see the comments section because I just got done talking about New York Times type comments. I kind of wonder what the readers would say. They may have not had comments on this article for a reason. If it's anything like the Washington Post, and I think it probably is with New York Times, oh, there are a lot of people probably saying, maybe probably making fun of conservatives or something like that for being fearful about the government spying on them. Let's get into some science denier news. And of course, I'm talking about Bill Nye, the newest science denier. Apparently... (laughs) Here's an article on freebeacon.com. Netflix edits Bill Nye episode to remove segments saying chromosomes determine gender. So they have a clip from the episode here. I'll play it in a second. But the reason why I call Bill Nye a science denier is because he goes around parading his uh, establishment type opinions and even going as far or, or for one, all the while, you know, calling people science deniers who don't agree with scientific consensus of government-subsidized science. So, he made headlines saying that, you know, maybe people should be jailed. Um, giving a really weird response to Mark Morano. I mean, Mark Morano asked him if people should be jailed for uh, having a different opinion or, or whatever and Bill Nye was saying like weird stuff we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens uh, he didn't say like his opinion yes or no he said we'll see what happens uh, just kind of a weird thing to say and it's not the first time he said something weird he, was al- he also made like a weird statement to Tucker Carlson um, what, what is, it was something pretty, pretty odd Regarding Donald Trump and possibly his opinions 
on climate change, saying that maybe his reasons, or maybe the reasons for him being having uh, information leaked, intelligence information, or private information of his or his staff leaked from uh, the deep state or, or whatever you want to call it was due to his political opinions <clears throat> and kind of maybe insinuating that it, it would continue if he didn't change his opinions. Um, but I'm kind of going off on a tangent here. But, but here, here he is uh, denying science himself. So a lot of people are, are finding humor in this and, you know, saying maybe Bill Nye should be arrested. Here is a, here is apparently the clip that was taken off the episode because I guess Bill Nye, the science guy, was starting to be uploaded to Netflix, the original series. He's got his new series out now, which is would made headlines and, and heavily criticized by both the left and the right. Um, and then um, during this time, a, a strange article I went over a little bit last episode. This. You, just around the time he starts getting criticism, uh, Huffington Post releases an article written by like one of the top guys on Monsanto praising Bill Nye for changes, changing his opinions on GMOs to be too more favorable. Uh, well, anyway, so Bill Nye has his new show. endorses the idea that gender is a spectrum has this weird song and dance kind of statement overly endorses it saying it's great and then saying it's the exact kind of message we need and then uh so here's a clip of completely contradicting the whole gender is a spectrum thing from the uh, an original bill nye the science guy episode here i'll play we see a lot of bell-shaped curves in nature they're normal now, this might be from the. It might be from 1996. Yeah, 1996. So let's move on here with the original clip. Oh, Jen. We got normal. Thank you for joining me on. Consider the following. I'm a girl. Could have just as easily been a boy, though, because the probability of becoming a girl is always one in two. See, inside each of our cells are these things called chromosomes, and they control whether we become a boy or a girl. Science! <laughs> your mom has two X chromosomes in all of her cells, and your dad has one X and one Y chromosome in each of his cells. Before you're born, your mom gives you one of her chromosomes, and your dad gives you one of his. Mom always gives you an X. And if Dad gives you an X too, then you become a girl. But if he gives you his Y, then you become a boy. See, there are only two possibilities. X, X, a girl, or X, Y, a boy. Hmm. The chance of becoming only two possibilities, a boy huh? or a girl... Sounds pretty controversial. Let's move on. ...is always one in two. A 50-50 chance either way. It's like flipping a coin. Mm -hmm. X, you're a girl. Y, you're a boy. Some people are just lucky, I guess. She got an X, so she called herself lucky. Clip goes on a little bit more. I don't know why. Bill Nye in a car. I don't know what he does. Well, anyway. Um... Yeah, the, well, the new politically correct thing for idiots is uh, to say gender or gender is a spectrum, and you can be whatever you want to be, and there are more than two. So, uh, article says or article goes on on this freebeacon.com website when uploaded to Netflix, an episode of the educational children's show. Bill Nye the Science Guy cut out a segment saying that chromosomes determine one's gender. 
In the original episode titled Probability, a young woman told viewers, I'm a girl. Could have just as easily been a boy though, because the probability of becoming a girl is always one in two. It goes on more of the clip we just saw. See, inside of us is ourselves, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, the article continues here. But in the version of the episode uploaded to Netflix, the segment has been cut out entirely. While non-controversial at the time, the 1996 segment appears to contradict Netflix news series Bill Nye Saves the World. The news show endorses a socially liberal understanding of gender, under which gender is defined by self-identification rather than genetics. And there are more than just two traditional genders. It's not clear whether the 1996 segment was cut out when first uploaded or whether the edit was in reaction to recent controversies over Bill Nye's stance on gender identity. So that's interesting too. And I think I read a couple more articles and I didn't find an inclusive answer myself. So it may be out there somewhere. I think here's that clip of Bill Nye saying that Climate or uh, science deniers should be jailed here. Let me see. I'm Bill Nye. You may remember me from the Science Guy show. As you probably guessed, we're not really making a kid show. It's for you grown-up kids all over the world. So should we have policies that penalize people for having extra kids in the developed world? Um, so I do think... Okay, this is just kind of like a little clip show think that we should at least consider it. Well, at least consider it is like, do it. I just think if you want to get right with the big ice cream in the sky, change your flavor by wishing to be vanilla. That's cool, wasn't it? That was cool! You know, what's your thought on jailing skeptics as war criminals? Uh... Well, the, we'll see what happens. Uh, was it appropriate to jail the guys from Enron? <laughs> okay, right? So we'll see I'm what happens. For. This storm... We'll see, he does another one, too. Uh, he says, was it okay to jail the people that said smoking was bad? So, interesting comparison there. And anything else? I don't think so. I'm going to do a quick headline search and make sure the world didn't blow up since I started. Thanks for tuning in again. And I'm looking forward to doing the non-live shows personally. And I can do them when... Probably have a little bit more energy. <laughs> and be a little bit more prepared. <clears throat> do a little bit better editing. There's a headline on... Drudge Report. News organization asks... Trump to declassify data on how Obama used NSA to spy on Americans. Yeah, most of the headlines are healthcare related. So, on that note, I'm going to wrap it up. One more live episode next Monday, 8 o'clock Central Time. Tune in then if you'd like. Call in, of course, if you'd like. This has been Caldwell Madison Review, episode 61, and we'll hope to catch you next time.